Welcome to the Surrounded by Valor podcast. My name is Mary. The definition of valor is courage in the face of danger. I try to surround myself with people who embody valor because they help me become better and hopefully you too. My intention with this podcast is to share thoughts, stories, and conversations that will inspire, educate, and enlighten all of us. Stories of regular people like you and me who've had extraordinary experiences. As the saying goes, nobody rides for free. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and thanks so much for joining us. Hello, and welcome to our first Ask Me Anything episode. So for this, we asked for some questions that you might have about fitness and multi-sport, and we got some really good ones coming up. But first, a disclaimer. These are our opinions. Anything medical, we would refer you to your healthcare provider. While I'm a nurse, I uh, specialize mostly in CPR. So take our advice with a grain of salt. We really aren't experts on anything. Um, So again, take it with a grain of salt. With me today to answer these questions is my husband, Kurt. Hello, Kurt. Hi, Mary. (laughs) All right, we're going to get right to our first question. And I'm just going to say that this is submitted by a female because often when we get questions like this, people would assume it is the man who's asking the question. All right, so question number one. I like to train for endurance events, distance events to be exact, like 70.3 triathlons and long-distance cycling events of about 200 miles. So how do I balance that? with my non-athlete significant other. So, Kurt, what do you think? Divorce him. Yeah, I was going to say dump him right away, but that's really bad advice. (laughs) So, (laughs) again, (laughs) these are our opinions. It is difficult when you are in a a relationship with one person who is an athlete and one person who isn't an athlete. We've been married for over 20 years, so um, it's not something we really have had to deal with. But we thought of a couple of things that we have done throughout our marriage to balance things. Because we do have a child who is 22 now, so he's not a child. Um, But, Kurt, do you want to give your piece of advice? I gave my advice. Of course I'm (laughs) kidding. Um, Yeah, we used to, um, we call it handing off, right? And it sounds kind of not parental. Yeah. But but we would hand off Luke while the uh, other uh, parent would do their um, workouts. Yeah. Like one thing we did do was I had a dedicated time from Saturday, 6 a.m. till noon. And then your dedicated time was Sunday, 6 a.m. till noon. Um, And we could use that time however we wanted. This is before he got into sports and stuff. So, um, and it was use it or lose it. So you could go on a 100-mile bike ride. You could sleep in. You could do whatever you wanted. But at noon, it was uh, time to come home, right? (laughs) Right. And I've read a lot of articles where, um, especially with the professional athletes, and if they have a family and the other spouse is is, uh, supporting their career, um, a lot of those athletes are really on a pretty strict timetable. And like you said, if you lose that time slot, you you lose that workout. So they learn to get up early and get to bed on time so they can get up early to get their sessions done. I've read stories of mothers going to the pool, getting, getting their workout done, getting home, getting the kids' lunches put together and getting them on the bus. So mm-hmm. it's just a lot of good time management. And you have to have your partner um, agree to all this. You know, you, you got to take their thoughts and uh, feelings into consideration. You can't ignore them completely. 
Right. Back way back before I met Kurt, I did date someone who wasn't an athlete and it didn't last long because I really valued it wasn't that I had to go out and compete all the time, but I really valued the ability to train and um have that have that time to myself and they weren't really um supportive of that, so I dumped him. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, and we've we've heard of some triathlon, well, not triathlon oh, yeah. couples, of uh, one of the spouses pursuing Ironman. Yeah. And were so dedicated towards that pursuit, they ended up getting in, in divorce. Yeah, it's, yeah. It can be quite time-consuming. So you definitely have to uh, get your partner's buy-off on this. Yeah, and just, I would also say that, it, you know, maybe balance that time with things that they like to do. So let's just say that your significant other is very into art museums or something like that. Um, you might, you know, you get Saturday morning where you can work out till noon and then maybe Saturday afternoon you go do what they want to do, like visit the art museum or something like that. Um, but it's a definite balancing act. I don't think there are perfect solutions, but I would say that um, the key to all of that would be communication. And if you're doing a lot of distance events, maybe, I mean, I, like this year I'm doing an Ironman and I told Kurt he doesn't have to be there for it. And I think it's hard to be there for it, even if you are an athlete. So maybe not expect them or ask them sometimes to come to the event, if that makes sense. Because um, it isn't that much fun for spectators, <laughs> to be honest. What would you say, Kurt? Absolutely. Um, well, of course, with your race, you, you got a crew that's going oh, yeah. down with you. So yeah. and so it's going to be like a party for you, an yeah. endurance party. Um, when but, I told him that, he kind of <clears> looked at me like, is this one of those situations like, you don't want me to buy you a Valentine gift? Does that, does that mean you do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, no, you really don't have to come. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I've been at some of the races where um, the spouse could volunteer. Volunteering actually is a cool way to burn through the day while your spouse is out there racing. Yeah, agreed. It's a lot of fun to it. But I think if, as long as you communicate and, and have good time management, that it really can work in any situation. Anything else to add to that, Kurt? Nope. All right. Next question is, what is the hardest lesson that you've had to teach athletes as coaches? I, honestly, this is one that we talk about almost on a daily basis. This is the whole, um, in our experience, athletes do not like to spend time building the foundation of a program. We get a lot of um, people not necessarily with our current crew, I'd say, but it's very common in our sport that everyone wants to like go hard all the time and then end up burning out. Right, Kurt? Yeah, absolutely. Um, base training is probably the most unsexy thing about the sport. And, um, and there's also a social aspect to it. A lot of people are using the social bike platforms and they're doing a lot of racing and neglecting the foundation of work completely. Um, you are actually what you're doing this year is you are embracing those particular platforms, but within those activities that you're doing with groups, you're making sure that you're getting that foundational work in, which is aerobic effort. Yeah. First, when I met you way back when, I remember you saying to me, like, you think of the foundation as you're building a house, and the stronger, the deeper the foundation, the stronger the house. And the speed work and the intensity is really the icing on the cake or the roof on the house, and it cannot stand without that foundation. Um, and, like, I've been racing on Zwift, but I race once a week. 
Um, I sometimes hit up a group run, and I never have a problem being sucked into a faster pace because I just kind of say, like, I'm running this pace. Feel free to go ahead. So you really ha- you can still do that socialization thing. You just have to use it correctly. But, um, yeah, that's, that's probably our biggest – the biggest – lesson or the hardest lesson I think is to get people to just back off and go easy right Kurt yeah and recovery rides and recovery runs are hard but uh, as the athlete gets more seasoned they understand the importance of it and embrace it more yeah agree all right next question I love this one everyone talks about Ironman I am just not interested in doing that distance am I just lazy (laughs) I say you're smart Absolutely. Yeah, Ironman, I know, gets a lot of attention. It's, you know, one of the longest races out there. And um, people, if you say you do triathlon, they're like, oh, have you done an Ironman? And, you know, I've done a bunch, so, you know, I, I can say, like, it's it's fun to do, but it also, you know, coming, kind of circling back to our first question, it is a huge time commitment. Um, so we know lots of people who've never done Ironmans. In fact, Kurt's done a couple, but he stays away from that distance. And four. I've done four. four. You've done four. Yeah. Um, and it's not his favorite distance. But talk about a little, you know, talk a little bit about what you have found in the sport aside from Ironman. Oh, um, yeah, USA Triathlon. They're really embracing creating different events that are outside of the Ironman umbrella. Um, they got super sprint triathlon, they got sprint triathlon, they got Olympic distance triathlon, they got multiple distances for duathlon, which is run, bike, run. Um, they have sprint triathlon now that embraces drafting, right, which is what the Olympic athletes do um, over the international distance, um, all the way up to 70.3. Uh, Ironman, of course, owns that particular distance. Um, they actually have a, a national multi-sport festival that embraces many of those different races, and it's spread out over a, a couple of days. It's almost like a track and field meet kind of scenario. It's really kind of cool. Um, yeah, everything is an Ironman. Um, there's a lot of different distances out there. Another endurance event that's starting to get more popular is um, Run, Swim, Run, Swim, right? Yeah, I got to do a swim. I think it's swim, called run. Swim, Run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and it was so cool because it was up in Boston, and they're not, they they did it as a one and only. Um, but I was tethered to my buddy Charlie, and we were dropped off on an island, and we ran across the island and swam in the ocean tied together, and it was so much fun. So Iron Man's fun for sure, but if it, if it's not something that you want to do, don't do it. <laughs> it's that easy, you know what I mean? Like, there's just so many other things to do. I happen to enjoy the long distance of it, long distance nature of it, um, but I'm really getting pulled to some other events. Um, and and there's so much to do. Don't, don't do it just because you feel like you should. The only time you should sign up for an Ironman is when you have the ability to dedicate the time to it, but first, you got to really want to do it. Don't do it to check it off the list just because it's something all triathletes do. Um, you really got to want to do it. Would you agree? Agreed. All right. So we think you're smart. Next question. I love this one. What do you think about Kona's new format? I love it. And I know that's an unpopular thing to say. Um, I've qualified for Kona a few times and I've never taken my spot just because it's a $10,000 trip usually. Um, I've been to Kona four times, I think, 
and I love it there. I just, um, there's something about the Ironman when it's there, it's just so darn crowded. And I know a lot of the locals there and I, I feel like it, the, especially this year, it was such a disruption of the community. Um, but people are, you know, one of the arguments people will tell me is that, oh, it's always been there and actually has not always been there. First few years, it was not in Kona. Um, but I love the new format. I think it's fun to rotate it throughout the world. I think it gives women, there's more women who can go to do the world championships. And, you know, I don't know. Iron Man owes us nothing. So it's a privilege to be able to do it at all. What do you think, Kurt? Wow, that was a mouthful. <laughs> <coughs> um, no, it, the new format's pretty cool because the women's race was phenomenal. Oh, right? so much fun. Uh, and they need the spotlight, and it's going to open up more um, opportunities for other women to get to the big show, right? Um, let's not forget the Europeans and the Asians and all the other countries that participate in Ironman. Um, Hawaii's not an easy trip. Yeah. From USA. Right. So let's uh, add the pond into it over to Europe and get over here too. So I think it's fair that they're breaking it up. Um, it makes it more accessible because, I mean, yeah, exactly. it's hard to go to Kona from New York State, but imagine going to Kona from France, Spain. I mean, yep. yeah, so you're totally right. A lot of people don't come because of the distance. Right. It needs. I think it needs a rotation, and that's how uh, World Triathlon does it, formerly known as ITU. They re rotate their world championship races around the world. And um, it's funny, I waited, I don't know, I probably waited 10 years before it showed up where I could drive to the race, right. which, was, which was in Montreal. And it was in Chicago a couple of years ago, too. So, yeah, it's fair. I mean, there's other Ironman athletes in the world other than the USA. They should get their shot at it. Yeah, and the, the course in Nice um, is tough. And I think that the tougher the course is, not to say that Kona is easy by any means, um, but I think uh, you've got to rotate the course, make it difficult. I think a hillier course is a more fair world championship. And, I mean, Nice is just beautiful. How could you, how could you not want to race there? <laughs> yeah, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to challenge athletes that have strengths in different arenas. Like, um, not everybody's into the heat, hot, and humidity environments, right? Yeah. So you're going to have different world champions. And like I was alluding to before, if you've ever been to Kona, it's a very small town. Um, and, and it's a lot for that town. Like they shut down the school, you know, and it's not like you, we bring a ton of money to the town because so much of the money goes to people who own these vacation places and, and they're not always local. So, um, yeah, it's a big stress on that little town. So I think it's fun. I think it's exciting. And again, Ironman doesn't know us anything. <laughs> so that's our opinion. Um, Next question. I think this is a great one, too. All good questions. How do you set up your race season? Kurt, I'll let you start. You know, you've started every other question. <laughs> I know, Why but I'm being I... generous since it's Valentine's Day. <clears throat> well, I'll make it real simple for the athletes that I coach. Uh, please stay with me after this statement, too. <laughs> um, I just kind of work out. I, I figure out what they give me what their A race is, right? And most of them are at least have one season underneath their belt. And they're coming into um, the year with some type of fitness. I usually set up like a 25-week out, right. depending on their fitness level. Sometimes I've had athletes that took time off completely, so I have to extend that runway a bit. 
And I just break it up into three-week build blocks and one recovery week for a standard format and just kind of work my way towards that end date. Uh, everybody's a little bit different. Right. How would you say you set up your um, season? Same way. Same way. Absolutely the same way. I use the same protocol I use for my athletes. Yeah, we like to, I would say, like, for, for an Ironman, what is your preferable build up in terms of weeks or months for that? 25. Yeah. Depending on what their fitness is. Right. If they come in with, like, zero, okay, it's going to be a longer yeah. stretch. Because yeah. I'm not going to rush the process. process. Right. Absolutely. I mean, no rushing. Yeah. Nice and I'm pretty build. similar. Like, someone will come to me and say, like, here's what I want to do. We'll say, where, do, where are we starting from? And we'll go from there. And then what we don't do is say, like, here, here are the exact targets you have to hit before race day because we can't forecast so far ahead, you know, like eight months ahead. So we, we build off of what we do. Would you say that's how you approach yeah, this we, well? we embra- Yeah, we embrace the process with mm-hmm. consistency and frequency and build the athlete's fitness. Uh, make sure they get the proactive recovery weeks and recovery days within the weeks. And, um, yeah, and the process works 99.99% of the time yeah. to the athlete's um, satisfaction. Right. They met their goals. I've had very few athletes that have failed in the process. Right. And, and that's just because they do the work. Right. They're right. dedicated towards that process, and they're into the game. A lot of what we do, I think, in coaching, and Kurt, tell me if this is how what you experience too, is I don't have to, very rarely do I have to, like, tell someone to work out. Usually what we're doing is adding structure, and I think we add a lot of recovery, or for lack of a better way to say it is, we, I do a lot of holding back. You know what I mean? Like, we're guiding you, but I got to hold you back from going too hard or too much or something like that. Um, it's just we really just give it structure, but the athlete's the one who does all the work. But what I, you know, for my season, like this year, I'm doing an Ironman in September. I'm doing two early season 70.3s just because I don't like to do a, a half Ironman four weeks before an Ironman just because I like to keep that volume up going into it. And I like to go travel with friends in the spring to where the ocean is. <laughs> so. That's my rhymer reason. <laughs> and who are they? <laughs> the same crew I'm going to chatty with. Okay, so. I know that crew. Good yeah. crew. Yeah, yeah. It's fun when you do this stuff with friends. So, All right, next question. Strength training. Do you do it all year? Do you recommend functional versus classic machines? You're, you're a big strength training guy, Kurt, so you take the lead on this one. Again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I belong to the YMCA, and they got a system that's all classic uh, called E-Gym. e I love it. Um, it's basically a set that was devised by a strength trainer that Mark Allen had hired. Um, this goes back 25 years when I first read the article, and it just goes through 12 classic um, weight or um, strength machine set that I currently have been using ever since I read that article, since I was 40. Um, and what I also do is I'll, I'll take those particular exercises and use free weight. So it's kind of like a functional movement, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I just try to nail the basics, right? And um, other than my stupid back issue, which is not 
muscular related. It's nerve related. Um, it's kept me relatively healthy. The only time I've ever gotten an injury is if I did something stupid in training and overdid a speed workout. And that was always my fault. Right. I tend to gravitate toward more functional just because, I don't know, I, I have a home gym. Um, I'm, I am have a dancing background, so I, like, I pick choreography up pretty easily. Uh, an app I've been using this year is the Sally McRae app, which I like to do. I strength train almost every day, minimum of 10 minutes, probably a maximum of 30 minutes, but it's something I do all year round. And for me, you know, I work from home, so I don't want to, like, go all the way to the gym, use the machines, and then come home because I could have a nice strength training workout wrapped up in, in a faster time. But in our opinion, I would say that all strength training is good strength training. Don't make it so long and arduous that it becomes a chore and just another thing to do. Um, honestly, 10 to 20 minutes a couple times a week, hitting all the basic moves is really going to serve you well. All, all of it is good. All exercise is good exercise for the most part. <laughs> all strength training is good. The best one is the one that you stick with um, all year round. Would you agree? I agree. And I'm kind of like um, a structured person. I like to go to the gym and dedicate... 30 to 45 minutes with my weights um but Mary, yeah you're right mary you can do you can do strength training anywhere um sometimes i've come home and done some mini band workouts mm -hmm. at home you know like a 15 minute set or a core set because i didn't want to be at the gym any longer and wanted to get home um yeah you can do it anywhere yeah all right last question how do you ride your bikes so much inside um, back in the day, I was a spinning instructor. That's how I got started in cycling. Um, and I just loved riding to music and things like that. From there, I graduated to the Conca trainer. And then, I don't know, I've always had a no problem riding inside. I ride probably eight to 10 hours a week. Right now, obviously, all of it's inside. Um, I mean, now we have platforms like Zwift and Ru uh, Ruby. I was going to say Roku, but that's not correct and full gas and so many things to keep it interesting and keep it fun. Um, I use uh, Netflix a lot. And I don't know, there's just something meditative, I think, about riding inside. And the nice thing about it is there's 0% zero zero percent chance I'm going to get hit by a car inside. How about you, Kurt? Well, some people have garages, and there might be a well, car. I ride coming. in the garage, and it would be difficult. You'd have to try to hit me yeah, in the I garage. Would. I would. Um, <laughs> No, yeah, you hit it on the head, and it's really blossomed. The indoor riding has blossomed since the CompuTrainer days, uh, which was the original Smart Trainer. Um, I use a platform called Trainer Road Erg Workouts, and that's kind of, kind of boring, but it works for me. Uh, I'll use entertainment of music to get through those workouts, but you are the master when it comes to uh, longer-duration mm -hmm. workouts. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, Ruby and Full Gas, I'll give you um, courses off the Ironman circuit and other courses that, um, that provide the undulations that you're going to experience outside for, with like a hilly circuit. Um, and, and I think one of the um, manufacturers of the smart trainers, they have this board you can put the unit on and it kind of like moves. Like a wobble board. Yeah, yeah, it's like a wobble board. Exactly. Yeah. So it gives you some of the undulations you're going to feel outside. It's not like hill undulations, but it, it gives you some moment because having your bike um, attached to a trainer being so static, a lot of people, it hurts their butt. Right? Yeah. 
you know. Because inside, your pressure is more on your saddle, yep. while outside, it's more on your pedals. Right. So that's a big thing. Um, I just got lucky with saddles. I think I use an ISM and an Adamo salad, saddle. I was going to say salad. Right. Saddle. Um, and I've just been riding so long. And this year, I got one of the Wahoo kicker bikes, so it's a real fun bike to ride because it tips up like one of those... If you ever go to the park and sit on those things that tip back and forth when you were a kid, it's like that. So it's super fun. But yeah. do, a hill. Yeah. do a real hilly circuit with that. Yeah, it's like boom, boom. But um, yeah, it's more habit. Like I don't, I don't wake up going, yeah, I'm gonna ride inside. I mean, actually, sometimes I do, but it's just like anything. It's a habit. Yeah, it's very safe. I mean, there's yeah. so much distracted driving out oh, there. Um, and especially if you're a parent and you're going to, let's say you're investing time in Ironman, if you can do a bulk of your riding inside, if you can tolerate it, and you can also take like a five hour ride and split it in half, yeah. 2.5 in the morning, as long as your husband's cool with it and 2.5 in the evening, you know, a split ride, like a split run. Um, I like that you said as long as your husband's cool yeah, with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, like for Mary and I, we'll we'll go out on the weekends, which theoretically is lower traffic, and we'll try to hit the gravel circuit around. Yeah, here we we have a really safe. nice loop from our house that's about fifty miles. That's I mean, on the gravel bike, it's so much fun, and yeah, it transfers over great to the time trial bike. You know. Yeah, it's fine. You, so you get your handling skills yeah. on the weekend, but a lot of safe riding and an, you know interval training is done inside in a safer environment. Yeah, we, I recommend all as much interval training as you can inside because, you know, then you don't have to worry about cars, you don't have to worry about lights, you know, you can just get in and get your intervals done, so. Too many athletes have been killed yeah. by distracted driving. Yeah, we've lost some friends, and it's not a problem to ride inside. It doesn't mean that we don't love riding outside. People are always like, why don't you love riding outside? But we do, we sure do. But, um, you know, we, we are parents and uh, spouses, so we want to make the best decisions we can and hope for the best. But, yeah, that's how we do it. <laughs> um, so that is about it for our questions. Anything you want to add, Kurt? Any pearls of wisdom? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> so, Thanks. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next time.